Minnick Show is brought to you by 291 Colorado Whiskey, by Michter's, and by Heaven Hill Brands. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. Fred here. And uh, as you all know, uh, my wife's my wife's uh, dad died um, after 74 years of an amazing life. He died uh, on June 1st. And I'm taking some time away from uh, from podcasting duties and tasting duties and so forth um, to be with my family right now. And so I'm so thankful that uh, Podcast One has uh, stepped up to repurpose some uh, some older episodes. And that's what we have here today. Today's the episode with a clown from uh, Slipknot. And as you may recall, that was uh, that aired uh, before right before the pandemic. Actually, we were. I drove up to Iowa to see the Cedar Ridge Distillery to interview him where they have their collaboration uh, with Slipknot. And this was before we really knew what was going on with COVID and everything. And the first case of I- in Iowa actually dropped uh, while we were there. And I remember my videographer and, and like a producer, you know, at the time we were looking at each other. It was like, do we go to gas stations? Like we had no idea like what to do. Like this was before everyone was saying, wash your hands all the time. This was before hand sanitizer was everywhere. This was before people were wearing masks. And, uh, I'll never forget that interview because of that. But really, uh, the, the interview of a clown also was the first time I kind of interviewed one of my heroes. So I'm such a big heavy metal fan and I, I love Slipknot. And so clown is really iconic in the, in the rock and roll, especially hard rock, heavy metal circles. And so to sit down with him and, um, and, and talk with him was just so cool. But, uh, you're going to, you're going to really enjoy this episode if you haven't heard it already. But as you know, as, as I mentioned at the top, you know, my father-in-law, Dr. Charles, Charles Englisher passed away after a long illness. And I just want to take a little moment to kind of tell you about this amazing man. He was he was a radiologist, and he basically he um, early in his career he built radiology departments throughout New York and uh, also um, in Kentucky and in the VA system. He basically was a guy that like if you if a hospital was opening up or if a hospital needed to revamp a radiology department, uh, he was the guy that came in and 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 did it. He's just he was he was brilliant. But the thing that we as a family will remember Charles for uh, were his hobbies. Like he was a, a very avid astronomer and photo- he was a brilliant uh, wildlife photographer. Um, and he got into cigars later in life and he loves scotch, but we will always remember him for his one liners. One of his uh, great one liners uh, was a pants in the parking lot. Like, you know, you showed your, you showed your ass by pulling your pants down on the per- parking lot kind of thing. And so when somebody would show you who they were, we'd say, oh, that's a pants in the parking lot moment. Uh, one of my other favorites was, you know, he was a radiologist, of course. He had, his, he had his own, the way he did business was he had a practice that the hospitals would hire. And he had a, he had a phrase of like uh, with the hospitals, uh, pay me, no problem. Don't pay me problem and i've adopted that uh into my business as well and over the years i've actually had to send uh some magazines to collections uh i've had to get lawyers involved to get paid it's amazing 
when you get into business, how how often people will find ways to not pay you, and uh, that is that is something that has always um, always stuck with me. But the one that we are the one that we are holding on to right now, the phrase that we're holding on to right now, uh, is that he would. He was he was someone who was uh, very much into psychiatry. Although he was a radiologist, he studied psychiatry and he followed the he followed the um, the practice of psychiatry. And of course, Jacqueline is in mental health, so there's a, a kind of a an interest there from from uh, him uh, with his daughter. And and he had this he had this very simple saying that could help ground you or get you out of a moment to help you in something else. And it was simple. It was sad. Don't be. And the thing is, is like, it was always his delivery that just kind of like made you laugh or changed your perspective on a moment. So as I think about Charles, uh, the great doctor, Charles Englisher and his contributions to my life personally, um, he's going to be, he's going to be missed. And, you know, I have, um, if you go on Twitter or my Instagram, you'll see his obituary, which was in the New York Times uh, on Friday and Sunday. So he was a great man. Give a chance, uh, read his obituary. But now we're going to switch up a little bit and go to Clown from Slipknot, an episode that already aired. But I think you will uh, enjoy this episode a little bit more knowing uh, the backstory of COVID now. But that's going to do it for me here on this introduction. I'm looking forward to uh, getting back in the groove, but I am taking, I'm taking a, a few weeks off. So uh, this is, is the second of four uh, repurposed uh, podcasts that will be coming out. Enjoy this week's episode with Clown from Slipknot. But first, a word from our sponsors. 291 Colorado Whiskey aims to create a one-of-a-kind, bold, and beautiful Colorado Whiskey. Rugged, refined, rebellious. Distillery 291 is an award-winning small-batch whiskey distillery located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak. Owner and founding distiller Michael Myers grew up on family farms in Georgia and Tennessee, across a countryside defined by rolling hills, horses, and whiskey. He set out to create a flagship whiskey that evoked the Wild West. A cowboy walking into a bar saying, give me a whiskey, and the bartender slamming down a bottle, a bottle of 291 Colorado Whiskey. Find a bottle near you at 291coloradowhiskey.com. Ride it like you stole it, drink it like you own it, live fast, drink responsibly. A stamp of authenticity, a commitment to quality, and a guarantee of transparency. On March 3, 1897, the Bottled and Bond Act was signed into law, and an important part of whiskey-making history was born. Now, 125 years later, it's a tradition that Heaven Hill Distillery is proud to preserve. From simple pleasures like Evan Williams Bottled and Bond and Mellow Corn, to more rare finds like Old Fitzgerald Bottled and Bond, and Henry McKenna Single Barrel. Learn why Heaven Hill Distillery is the number one producer of Bottled and Bonds. Explore the history and requirements at bottledandbond.heavenhilldistillery.com. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Cheers. 
At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller, Dan McKee, and our master of maturation, Andrea Wilson, say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. Welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. Hey, everybody. I'm Fred. Folks, we have an amazing interview for you. The one, the only, the iconic, the unmasked clown from Slipknot. He is a deep, deep, deep artist, and we break into some things that I never thought we would. We talked about so much and I cannot wait for you to listen to this. So I'm skipping all the normal things that I put in an intro and letting you get right into the interview. So enjoy this one-hour episode with Clown from Slipknot. Listen, folks, I am joined by the legendary, iconic, one of the greatest rockers of all time, Clown from Slipknot. Wow, what a great pleasure to see you again, my friend. Thanks for uh, having me as usual, and you're too kind. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and when we, I met you, um, I first interviewed you a year ago when you came out with this, when you came out, work, started working with Cedar Ridge to come out with this whiskey, and then we were on stage together at Louder Than Life, but you just shared with me a story uh, about why, when, and when and where and how you choose to wear the mask when it comes to like you know business functions versus like the stage presence. Tell tell us about that. Well, you know it's kind of funny. I, I always uh, joke with my peers and fans and you know family that I have artistic schizophrenia. So it's like this third person world that I've created for myself has become more of a problem than it has uh, fruitful for artistic purposes. Um, you can imagine in 25 years of service, people are like, do I call you Clown? Do I call you Sean? My real name's Michael, Michael Sean Cran. So, uh, you know, do I call you Sean? Do I call you Michael? Do I call you Clown? AKA number six, custom percussionist. So in the early days when we were dealing with how do we introduce myself? So on the back of a CD, it would say art direction and Sean Cran. But above that, it would say number six, custom percussionist, clown. And, um, you know, that becomes confusing for everyone. So I, I made a decision that it's nice for me to be the one to try and separate mm -hmm. uh, the two entities. And what's ironic is both creatures do both things. Both creatures do the art. Both creatures do the business. But it's mainly the universe that can't separate it. So I have to separate it. And um, 
I think it comes down something like this is more personal. Mm-hmm. And I want to make it more personal to who I am as a human. And, you know, I, I, I often feel like my culture needs to be more around us to let that other beast be around and less confusing. So I, it's more or less a decision made around uh, the situation. Okay. It's very personal, which I feel this is. Mm-hmm. So I want to make it more personal. I feel like mm-hmm. everyone wants the clown. You know, and I don't feel like much in life anymore. Most people want Michael Sean, you know, so it's good to push the the Michael in front of people, if that makes sense. In your career, have you ever let anyone else wear the mask? How do you mean? Like, have you like, uh, like been to like a charity or something and let someone else? You know, it's actually a really good question. Um, Never let anyone, like, wear the mask. You know, I've given masks away, so mm-hmm. they can do whatever they want. But I've, I've never had anyone take my mask and wear it, like, on stage or, in a, you know. Uh, there's there's a, a few very obscure things. Mm-hmm. But they're not, like, you can wear this. You know, usually I'm generally interested that if I have a mask laying here... And if we're friends, <coughs> pardon me, you would you would come in and I would be very interested whether you would just pick it up and blindly, maybe disrespectfully. I don't really look at it that way, but what, what are you going to do blindly? You know, if that's laying here, are you going to pick it up? Are you going to attempt to put it on? Are mm-hmm. you scared of it? Are you, is it fragile to you? Um, so that's generally how I roll, but you know, out of 25 years, everyone's really respectful. And the only ones that just grab it and put it on are my kids. <laughs> they just, they don't care, you know? And I, I actually have a couple close friends that just, they're really close to me, kind of picked it up, tried it on. But I'm, I'm pretty brutal. Like, you know, you can imagine, you can escape in a mask, so you can imagine all these jackasses around the world that might have had our masks around for a moment mm-hmm. that can play funny games. Yeah, you, know, you you hire some mask maker. He makes the final thing. He's had a couple drinks. This guy's girlfriend. Who knows what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know. So I've always made the mask. Look, this is this is like a wedding ring. You know, this you gotta respect this. You can't just pick it up and touch it. This is my livelihood. This is also my art. And I mainly tell people like, if you attempt to put that on, you got to be prepared for what it's going to make you for the rest of your life. Oh wow! It could curse you. It could spin you down a direction that you don't want to be. It's real. That's real. Right. That's blood, sweat, and tears. There's mm-hmm. there's many years of leaving family and missed birthdays and, you know, all that stuff that, you know, whatever, that the world pounds on you. So that, that represents my blood, sweat, and tears. So it's not something I really offer. And I don't know if anybody wants that curse anyway to be the clown. Yeah. Now, I have – well, I, I find it interesting – about um, the the hard rock genre and and wearing a mask because there's a lot of them who will be in the game for maybe I don't know five six years and they want to change they don't want to wear the mask anymore and and it seems to me like um, they don't have that same kind of level of respect and appreciation for like what that mask does for them on stage as you do well. You know, there's a, I can't speak for anyone. I, I, I can tell you that 
in the reality of my world, I never put it on with any other idea that I was going to do it to be able to tell the truth. My therapist tells me I only tell the truth when I'm wearing the thing. And, but that's obvious to me uh, because that's my dream and my life and I'm going to express the most realities behind my being through the presentation of my art. Um, I, I know that for me, because of how hard we go and how hard we've always gone, there's a secret in there that most people will never understand. We, we're gluttonies for our own punishment. Mm-hmm. And we don't purposely indulge in pain. We don't mm-hmm. bring it, but it's a very painful sport, Slipknot. Yeah. And I know that when I walk off a stage and I go into a room to take that off, when I take that off and I look at myself, I know that I have lived. Now that I'm not on the road and I'm not doing much, I may sleep till three in the afternoon and not do a damn thing all day. And I don't know if at the end of the night I'm going to say I've lived. Here... In the Slipknot world, there, there's no hope but to not live. You know what I mean? You put that on, you go through what you're going through. At the end of the night, I'm like, my purpose in life is, is holy. You yeah. know, it's this thing, this, this creation we've created for ourselves allows me to live. I, I, f- I have to be physical. I have to be mental. I have to be spiritual. Um, some aspects I have to be, I have to have a monetary aspect in my brain, which I don't like, but it could be a part of the situation. Um, so the only thing I could think about is that maybe, maybe it doesn't mean as much to people. You know, I mean, there's not a day that doesn't go by that every member wishes we didn't have to wear that stuff. Um, especially since it was my idea in the sense of like, I brought it to the table. And for all I know, maybe some of the guys think it's the worst thing ever. They went with it because of our love for each other and our mm-hmm. dream and our brand. But secretly, some people could be just like, I can't believe I signed up my whole life for <laughs> this. Whereas I'm only doing it with that. you know. So I never forced it on anyone. It seems like it's what we wanted to do. And it's, it's helped. And it, it really is who we are. And so I would never know. People ask me all the time, you know, you're going to take off the mask. And I say, you know, why, why, why do I need to do that? You're only asking me because of behavior. You're only doing that because you have a hypothesis of all the other artists some way or not. But I'm not a part of that, that test, that, 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 you know, field research. I'm the clown in a band called Slipknot. We are not your kind. We are not like you. We're not part of your hypothesis. You can't incorporates in your petri dish of how you things are rolled so for me it's it's pure religion and uh you know it's it's yeah. my it's my life and i i can't ever fathom going in so personal because of laziness or stress or just the will to not want to put it on anymore i mean i signed a deal with it in the beginning and there's just never been any think of anything else you know i just i really couldn't fathom us any other way, I would feel cheapened. I would feel betrayed. You know, that's. I think that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the self worth in the dream, in the art that you're creating. Ours is very, very, very precise, and we do not deter away from staying the course. Well, I, I tell you, it, it, it. There are very few things in, in in music that seem genuine to me today 
and the mask and Slipknot and y'all's performance on stage is one of the most genuine things in all of music. And I and I I talk to musicians in all genres, and it's it's beautiful. Well, I really appreciate that. We we feel the same way. We feel. It's not that we're in a league of our own, but we're in a, a dream of our own. You know, this is in our subconscious mm-hmm. that we, we bring out. And um, it is surreal, and it's not planned. And, and, and there's, there's communication around what we are that I will never be able to put into human words, but it, it, it lends to what you're saying, is that there is something very special about us that isn't business. That isn't even art and may not even be human. I don't know. But there's a thing that goes on with us that we don't even talk about. We don't say. We don't... I don't even know if some of us know what's going on. I, I, I stay on this stuff is why I, I mm-hmm. think about it all the time. I just I go in and in. But there is something very, very special and very surreal and once in a lifetime sort of thing. I, I, I have a romantic uh, idea that, you know, we are it mm-hmm. in my lifetime. You know, like I grew up on the Beatles. I'm 50. My mom played the Beatles all weekend when I was growing up. And, you know, in my lifetime, you know, I'm going to be the great, I'm going to be in one of the greatest bands of all time in this thing called life. You know, from Mozart to Slipknot, I have a place and it's only because we are so special. And I shit you not. Before you, before you all came here, I said that Slipknot's like Mozart. I, I seriously said that. And I don't, and I, it, it, what people don't understand is like what you are doing in 200 years, we are going to consider like classic music. Well, just to take that further, just to take that further, I very, it's probably my art history love of in college learning about art history but i when when i first told myself i was going to go do a band i had to admit to myself that i would never reap the rewards that i would never get the acknowledgement that that no one would ever understand it that i would always always have to keep it under my belt and realize that i was going to be dust before someone was going to put it all together, go hold the press. Mm-hmm. Let let let's really really now look at this. And I say this because I don't even have people ask me what the first album covers about. I don't have people ask me what the second album about, uh, covers about, or the third, or the fourth. They ask me, so what's the new mask about? Only because I have a new twelve-year-old who's just getting out of grade school and about ready to go into high school, and we're there, we're the thing. So, you know, what are the new masks? Because we have to write it in on this interview to bring up the, the younger people up to speed. But I never get the reality behind the mask, you know? So I agree with you. We're going to be long gone. And it's funny to watch us because we just, we've been aware of it for so long. We don't really get any happiness. We don't, we, we don't, there's never, you know, you won't see a lot of pictures of mm-hmm. our whole band hanging with other bands. Because other bands are like, you you know and 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 i don't know if we're hated because of what we are there's a jealousy or a simple hatred because we're jerks i don't don't know maybe all of it but we live in our own world and we admitted to ourselves a long time ago 
we were all going to be gone before the book of the knot was really understood. But you know what? I watch stories about Al Capone. I watch stories about Van Gogh. I mm-hmm. watch... This, this is the way of art. You just have to acknowledge it. And I'm one with it. I, I want to be exhausted and gone. Do you look at your uh, what you all do as more of art than, say, hard rock or heavy metal? It's a really good question. It's... Uh, this is the the question for for the clown. It wasn't until five years after my you know my partner Paul Gray died that I realized he was the one that was wanting the art from me. He is the one who said, "Hey, what you do is different from what we're going to go do, and if you continue to do that, I will continue to write music that's different. We will all continue to do what we do." to make our own thing. And, you know, am I the biggest metal fan in the world? I'm not a big any music genre in the world. Music is my God. I might need jazz tonight on the way home. I might need classical. I might need something. I don't know. Um, but I'm try- I, I have always only believed it's art because writing music is art, arranging Choosing mm-hmm. a uh, a key to write the song in, lyrics, prose, you know, conducting, arranging, prose, performing music. So I I have never approached this band as anything else but art, and I still can't think about it as anything else but art. But there are other people that I'm sure would sit here and say, "No, we are nothing but music." And I, I would agree. I, I don't have a problem with that, but you're asking me. And I honestly have never looked at anything. And I think anyone around me would tell you, I try to make the dressing room art. Yeah. I try to make the buses art. I try to make the way our tour manager picks plane tickets art. I try to live in a world of our imagination and nothing else because it's a lot funner than living this world's behavior, you know? I want to get out of this world's behavior and live in the imaginary sense. So for me, it's always been nothing but art. And I feel like that's a big reason why it's been allowed to move so liquidly uh, through, through, through the years instead of just being posted as, you know, a, a hard rock band or a heavy metal band. Mm-hmm. You know, th- it's so much more. It has so much more spirit so much more love, so much more pain, so much more religion than just some hard rock band playing the circuit and giving away all our publishing and everything to some label that hides, you know, a bank that hides under the name of label. And, you know, I do what I want. I always have. And what I like to do is art. And that's a very loose, I hate using that word, and I use it a lot. But I use it because it defines what Corey Taylor does. It mm-hmm. defines what Jim Root and Mick do. It defines what I do. And it, and it goes further. Yes, you play guitar, but you also perform. You're running around. You, know, you help to arrange. You help write. It's just one giant focus of art. Well, when I first listened to uh, We Are Not Your Kind, I could not stop listening to the whole album. In fact, I can't listen to a single song without listening to, you know, from beginning to end in much the same way that Pink Floyd The Wall is to me like I have to listen to that whole album when I when I listen to it. When 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 you were writing that, 
um, did did you have that in mind, or did the did the songs just kind of come come to you and just? It's been a together? journey. It's been a journey. You know, we we did our third album with Rick Rubin, and I remember having a conversation with Rick about if you want to do a double album. Um, you know, I've always had thoughts of doing a double album. There's never been like an official metal double album, you know, but you know, the business of CDs are, is almost done, you know? So it's like, it's a hard business to get into when all I want to do is write songs. So Rick told me in order to do something like that dream, you would have to have 70 plus songs, 70 to 80 minimum to create two discs of the best conceptual ideas together. Um, so I'm always thinking that and I employed the idea of let's write while we're off instead of, you know, Corey going to do stone sour and other people going to do things, you know, taking the break, physically getting better, spiritually, mentally getting away from each other, let getting bored, getting ready to do slipknot. I'm like, let's just do slipknot. And in order to do that, we had to have a lot of acceptance, but we did all of our family said yes and encouraged it. And then even better from there, we were the, the philosophy is to be able to take time and say, what does this song mean? I need a week. You know, I need to fly back home, listen to this song, not be pressured to come up with it right now and just get it out. It's not mm-hmm. happening. So we were able to really spiritually find out what the songs mean to each other and to us and in relation to each other. But more importantly, parts in the song, what are they reminiscent of? Oh, this is very reminiscent of the cars. Why? Because I love music. And I can, I can sort of, it's not the cars, but it, it's reminiscent of the cars. I know. Let's listen to the cars together. Okay? We're listening to the cars. Wow. They used reverb on this part. Maybe that's what we're missing. Let's do it our way. Let's not reproduce, you know, moving in stereo by the cars the effects and these things, but let's be inspired by the music we're blessed to have had in our life. That is the God to me. And it's boiling in my brains. Anyway, all these things, it's, it's, it's a matter of having the time to suss it out, to, to, to have the epiphany to go, let's add a reverb here, or let's do gang vocals, or let's go outside and get some car, you know, whatever it is. Um, that was a pure ingredient to this recipe. We are not your kind is to take the time and acknowledge what everything is. What does this chorus mean? What does it mean spiritually? Mm-hmm. What, what, what is it? What tempo is it? What's it doing? What would Mozart do? You know, would, he, would he laugh at it? Would he let it be? Would he take it further? Would he bury the intellectual content so far it's going to take a century to understand? I mean, that's what, where we got to go, and that's what we got to do. There were 22 songs written and 25 intro outro segue interlude mm-hmm. sort of things <clears throat> and we wound up with what uh, 11 songs or something can't remember i think it's 11 songs and three of them are like little arty things so you you know you're really down to fewer songs but what 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 we learned is that you know quit worrying quit worrying about getting it done and oh we only have these songs recorded so let's put it together this time it was like we have 25. What is the recipe to make sure people listen to it from the beginning to the end? It's like making a Big Mac. You know, there's so many sesame seeds on that top bun. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it ain't a Big Mac bun. You know <laughs> no. what I'm saying? Right. It's perfect. The yep. granules of salt. 
We're interested in that. But we're only interested in because I don't want to be told by the money men and the people for their fast profits and their interest returns, whatever it is their lame life is, I signed up to have albums sold and I expect them to sell them. That's it. Do your job and get away from me. What I want to do is I want to blow my brains out in, in a studio with people that are like-minded and I want to dig in to the subconscious, to the soul and, 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 and rally those ideas and those temperatures and those colors and have the courage to be able to communicate them and then physically touch them, you know, through, through an audio recording, you know, play, boom, there's our brains. So we, we stayed the course, we, we let things marinate. And, and the only way to do that is to go write, go home, put it away, do family, put it on here and there, listen to it. All of a sudden I'm getting a McDonald's, boom, I know, you know, acquire. <clears throat> you can't just get that forcing. You know, the Stones didn't do that. No one does that. No, no one does. But the good albums, uh, the ones that are legendary, Gold Bin stuff that you and I still listen to, Pink Floyd, The Wall. I mean, why anybody today on earth isn't trying to make this caliber of music mm-hmm. is insane. And I will tell you, the business is in the way a little bit. It's in a way, especially with the internet. And I recorded 96 you know, a thousand kilohertz and they, 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 they cut it right in half 44 one to put it on a disc. It's already garbage. You know, when we have the ability to stream music in 96 and you can hear it just like I'm hearing it in the studio, highest resolution. I could sell that, but you think the business people want to do that? No, they want to sell you and I a shitty MP3 with their compression that they don't even tell us. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on an album. I hand it over to all the usual suspects. They put their own codec on it, their own compression, won't even tell us, put it out. It's a glorified MP3 at best. This is the business I'm in. This is the high, you know, let's go. Let's just, let's slug off the brain, you know? But that's all right. I mooch off of them. I use them to their dying day, all their blood. And most of them are gone. You know, most of them are all gone. They, they go from this label to that label, practicing the same aspects. But I'm still here. And so what we're trying to employ now is being able to give in my birthright to sit and marinate on what I'm creating, not being told what I've created and, or what we've created. It's like we're telling people, we're creating this, we need this, and I'm not quite sure of what this is yet. And it, I don't, can't tell you when it's going to come. But I'm going to work on it. You, you have my promise. I'm not just holding this over the coals. I'm getting up every day looking for the ingredients to this recipe. So it's an honor for you know, me to hear from you that it's one of those albums because we really did work towards this after so many years of having to facilitate a schedule and, and, and a, a quarterly, you know, uh, it's, you know, Whatever labels want, need in their quarters. And, oh, man, I just, we want to make art, man. That's all we want to do. Well, that you did, number one album. I mean, that thing owned the charts for good reason. It did. And I'll tell you something. I usually don't get mad at, at like, the Grammys. Uh, but when I did not see you all, the Grammys, I wanted to, 
fucking throw something across the wall. I was very upset about it. I could not believe it. It was to me that is one of the greatest snubs in um, in the history of that of that organization. You know, it it's a very confusing world. That world. Number one, it was made by you know, who knows, an all boys club. I don't know. You know, it's it's an organization that has really nothing to do with me. And in order to sort of judge it a little bit, we have to understand how it was how it was made, why it was made, what reasons it was made. But we all know, we all know. I mean, they're getting reprimanded all the time for their choices and, and what's going on. And, and it's been a hard year for the Grammys. It, it really has. And, you know, it will all change, you know. But I, I really, I'm over worrying about that club wasn't made for me. I'm not part of that club. You know what I mean? I mean, I have a Grammy. I have many second places and I have... You know, I have the thing, you know, I right. drink, I drink bourbon out of it. Uh, <laughs> okay. I got to see this. Oh, I got, yeah. I got to, you come to my house, we'll drink some bourbon out of it for sure. For sure. I'll make sure next time we're together, it's there. Um, I'm not upset with them. They got their own worlds to worry about. I got my own worry, worries. My world doesn't rely on the Grammy saying that I'm it. They're the ones losing the money. You know, I'm about as grandiose as it comes. I, I don't. I'll never understand. There's nobody more pop than Slipknot. I mean, we're more pop than Katy Perry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't care. Well, you think, think about our fans. Yeah. And then think about her fans. Her fans are coming and going. Yeah. Okay. My fans aren't going anywhere. I just had, we just did something recently where four generations came. I know it seems weird, but that family got busy. <laughs> okay. But we got four generations at a, a signing recently. That's awesome. And they made that known. They're like, see this little baby? Is this little baby? Is this little baby? And me. So <clears throat> I don't have any time for the cool, cl- the cool kid clubs. I used to worry about that. It's their loss. Mm. They don't want to make their money off of showing my face on national TV and they want to show other people. That's cool. That's cool. You know, I'd rather have our money and our percentages and our love and our spirit go to the places where it's downloaded and digested correctly. I didn't get here from any of that, from radio, from MTV, from the Grammys, from any awards. Now, I don't hate on them, okay? But I gave up them understanding what pop is. It's it's, it's generally funny to me how they... It's all money. We know this. But if we want to talk art, I mean, anybody you have this year is not more arty than my band. And we've been doing it well longer. And we'll be here after those people that you're adorning. But I know it's to keep your doors open. I know it's to pay your bills. I know it's to keep your integrity. But it's a new world order, right? And, yeah. And Slipknot's at the top of it. So Absolutely. Maybe we don't let you in. So you, yeah. your, your, well, I, got, I took it that way. Your fans, um, they're fiercely loyal. And the, the creation of your whiskey, number nine, uh, to me... It, it told the story of you all because you chose to work with an Iowa distillery in Cedar Ridge, and you could have worked with anybody. You could have worked with Jack Daniels. You could have worked with Jim Beam. Uh, name any company, and you would have the, the fierce loyalty of your fans to, to sell out, but you chose to work with an Iowa distillery. That's part of your story. You guys are so genuinely Iowan. Well, it is part of our story. I will never be able to change the fact that I was born and raised in Des Moines, Iowa. I still currently reside there. Although I'm going to be moving soon, a um, little done with the weather, 
but I'm still going to have a house here. Just going to kind of do what older people do, get a nice place where it's warm and come back here when it's nice because I love the Four Seasons. But if you really want to break it down to an essence of why I'm here, it's only people like this that will keep a mentality to make such a great product. Mm -hmm. Number one, before there was one meeting, before there was anything, there was, let me see the product of what they do. Let me try this product. Okay, I like this product. This is something I would put in my own life, whether I was involved or not. So number one, the art was represented. But number two, I know I can speak with all of them. You know, this is Iowa work ethic. This is Iowa morals. You know, I understand them. They understand me. We're in different worlds. They're in the whiskey business. I'm in the rock and roll business. But when it comes to being born and raised in Iowa and understanding our goals and our dreams, you have to stay the course. Hmm. And in my, in my life, most people that are serious in Iowa stay the course. Yeah. It's not here now, thank you, goodbye. It's I have kids. They're going to have kids. And let's do something. Mm. You know, I, my dream is to have great grand, grandkids, you know, going, who is grandpa? You know, who is that guy? He did what? You know, <laughs> and it's like they're getting money and they they're like, why do I have a new car? You know, that's when it's going to get fun for me because that's when the art gets smeared and they're like, you know, you're a Rockefeller or something, you know, and you're like, you don't even, you never even saw those people, but you hear about them, you know? Yeah. And I, I, um, you know, I love where I'm from. I would never change it. Um, my parents were born here. I love Iowa. Just driving up today, you know, just looking at the way the, the earth looks with the overcast weather. It's part of my life. And, you know, it's home. I, I get to drive down the street and be here and just have a real meeting that isn't grandiose, that's you know, no one's kissing my ass. We're all on the same page and um, just a bunch of lovely people that I believe work as hard as me. And that's a lot. That's that's hard to say. And I think they would say that. They'd be like, we work with Clown because he works as hard as us. And we here in Iowa believe, you know, believe that. We have a different work ethic and we have a different moral. And uh, And recently I had so many people... You know, people ask me, I'll be on an airplane and meet someone. I'll be like, they'll be like, where are you from? Des Moines, Iowa. They'll be like, the nicest people I ever met were in Iowa. This has happened to me like four times yeah. in the last two months randomly. And, you know, you get thinking about it and you're like, you know what? We are a bunch of damn nice people. That's true. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, uh, would I get on a plane and work with someone yeah, I'd be on a plane today in California working with some, you know, place. And, you know, I can work, but this this is real. This is my backyard. Mm. I've been eating sweet corn. You know, I go to a recording studio here in Fort Dodge. Uh, we go, he keeps eight rolls of sweet corn. And in between recording, we walk right in, we peel it right there, and we eat it, and we throw it on the ground. So when I was educated and, you know, I thought, wow, Iowa really gives a lot of corn to the world for cattle feed. I'm like, we're giving it back on this. And, you know, I also am very interested as well in having the role of helping people understand responsibility right. behind this. 
So I get two things. I get, I get a temperature. I get a, a recipe. I get time, pressure, product. But I also get a responsibility to speak to humans like I do anyway about being responsible and enjoying and, you know, these things. So that can only work here. The, 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 those morals, those aspects, my state, our world. And I'll tell you, I, this, uh, your reserve uh, made my top 25 last year. Thank you. And, you know, that wasn't because, um, you know, of the story or anything like that. It's because the whiskey is actually really, really good. You, you really, see really how, good. See, here's the deal, though. Here's the deal. You said the word actually, you know. Yeah. This is what we're working on. Because when you say actually, it makes me think that you might have thought there was a moment that it wouldn't be good. Because of the name and the story. Oh, that's that actually makes, not why. Okay, why? 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 So uh, I have um, historically rated Cedar Ridge's stuff pretty low. Okay. Because they have a they have an eighty proof. Mm-hmm. They have an eighty proof product, and what I have come to learn is that they were watering down their their whiskey too much. When I came up here and I tasted straight out of the barrel, I I told Murphy and those guys I said. What are you doing? You need to be bottling this stuff at cash strength. And then they, you know, 99 proof was, is your reserve. And so that it's like you get the, the, the essence of, of the, the climate here. You get the, the nuance of, of, of the corn. Um, and there's a lot of sweetness and nutmeg in that, in that reserve. And, it, and it's really because, you know, as, a, as someone who rates whiskeys for, for a living, there are not a lot of really good American whiskeys that are not coming out of Indiana, Tennessee, uh, or Kentucky. And Cedar Ridge has, I feel like your whiskey has put Cedar Ridge on the map for the connoisseurs because of that going up, you're basically going up in 19 proof points and you're allowing their whiskey to be shown in a way uh, that it had not been previously been put into the market, so that is where the actually comes from. Okay, <laughs> has nothing to do with the band. Or the well, band. that that's good. I mean, again, when I when we were here and we were we were getting on it, I mean, they were just excellent at providing many scenarios, and you know, I was given many different proofs, many different things, many thoughts. But, you know, we all have the eye on the same thing. So I, I don't want to say we got lucky because we really we really thought about it. In the end, these artesian, these guys are, they're masters of this art. And it's it's relevant and it's it's so good. And uh, it's monstrous, you know. And it, it's, it's even better that, you know, two great things can be together because it doesn't really happen a lot. You right. Know, as we see, we see a lot of hype and, but I don't, you know, it's a hard scenario to go across because I don't do anything unless it's real. Um, I would have never done a whiskey. Um, I met other people. Mm-hmm. And um, some of who I met, you know, they were just, it was, it was, it marketing. Was, it was flashy. It yeah. was, the product is horrible. I, I mean, I even told one guy, I go, I'd never drink this in a million years. I don't show what it is. I don't, <laughs> I don't care. You should taste it. I'm not going to taste it. I'm not going to taste it. I don't like the name. I don't like the way it looks. I don't like the flavor that you're telling me. No. And no to working with you because I don't like the product, you know. And I, I, there was a lot of that. Um, yes, we could have worked with anyone. 
That doesn't mean anything, though, to me because we're only going to do what Slipknot does, and that's be the best. And that's only because I want the culture to have the best. I don't mm. want them to deal with gimmick and garbage. You know, I, if you're going to drink, drink quality. If you're going to listen to music, listen to, you know, you, you see what I'm saying. I'm just, I, I would have never done business just to have, I guess, money. You know right. what I'm saying? This, this is, uh, this is art to me. This is, this is serious, serious art. And serious, serious. Which one you got? Ah, uh, this is the reserve. I think, I think this one's my reserve. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you just get in there, and it's got like right off the bat, it's, it's caramel. <laughs> you know, it's so so amazing. I uh, I've been practicing lately too. I'm 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 really trying to perfect my palate because I have a lot of dreams to tell these guys. Most of them are going to be that's the dumbest thing ever. But at least I came up with it. And then some things I might I might actually hit on something, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Would you like me to show you my process? Yes, please. So, so this is this is like this this would basically be the equivalent of me like writing a song. This is my talent. Yes, please. This, this, is, all I, this is all I got. I love it. No, I love it. <laughs> so the first thing I do is like an American whiskey. Every every style of whiskey has its own it has its own rules and regulations. Like yes. Scotch, it can add coloring. But American whiskey, um, most of them cannot add coloring. In this c- particular category, it is a it is a blend of straights, is what it's technically under, because it's a blend of yep. uh, bourbon and rye. Yep, uh, they cannot because they're calling it a, a blend of straights. So there's no coloring added to it. So that color that you have there is basically all from the barrel. Mm-hmm. So every single day that whiskey is in the wood, it's interacting, yes. going in and out, and so you can really kind of assess. Uh, the the quality of it in the barrel by its color, and the darker it is, usually the longer it's been in the barrel, and or the higher the proof. Mm-hmm. And you can see this one's just a touch little, just, little, just darker, a touch yeah, darker, of course. and that's got a little bit more age on it than the than the number nine, the reserve does. So after that, you want to nose it, and when you nose it, you swirl it around a little bit. You, you do want to look at the legs. Now this is not anything you can really assess something by, but it is. It kind of gives the the distiller's trademark. Okay. Like if you swirl yours around, I bet you you'll find that the, the legs are very similar to that right there. Kind of like long and I don't know if I'm getting any legs. Like yeah, you are. Look at that. Oh see yeah. That? Okay, gotcha. Yep. They're kind of like fine, and then they're like webs. Yeah, yeah. So Cedar Ridge to, has like it has a little bit of a profile. It's almost like a web coming down. I like that. And so, so everybody's got their own little profile. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, and it, and it's it's basic chemistry. I like that. But it depends on like the uh, the glass. If it's a dirty glass, it all goes to shit. I see. I see. Yeah. So from there, you push that aroma up a little bit, and then you smell. And when you smell, you want to smell with your mouth open, so you get your nose in there. And you yeah, smell, I always do that. And you smell with your mouth <sighs> this open. This stuff is so <laughs> so strong, but good, and t- it's it's hard, in my opinion, to make the strong and the taste. Does it hit your nose really hard? Hard. Okay, so try this. Try it coming from two yeah, directions. Yeah, much better. By coming from two directions like that, you right. obviously have a sensitive nose, mm-hmm. and that will help you of like, you know, breaking down uh, that alcohol Definitely. a little bit. No, that, I've never done that, actually. I've always got in there. That really actually helps me a lot more. I'm still learning, you know. I'm still getting all, not the tricks, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a snob to know it. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to learn as much as I can, but I do it as I go. I don't just go online and try to be a snob. I try to get with you or 
get with them or mm-hmm. get with anybody that can teach me something or throw something in the air that I can learn. That's when I start applying like my madness, just something that you you're an experiential the learner. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, a method actor. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so after, after the smell, so we picked up like the aromas. Like, yep. so the one, the first thing that I do is I, I kind of like make sure there's like no bad stuff. Cause when as a taster you do have you do have to go through the gam, but sometimes you have to listen you know, sometimes you have to taste really bad stuff and, and rate it. And sometimes I've smelled things like sweaty gym socks. Really? Uh, you know, moldy basements, burning plastic, you know, some of that stuff. Wow. So right here I don't get none of that. What I get here, I got fresh fresh cornbread coming out of the oven. Mm. A little bit of melted butter over that top. Caramel. And um, kind of like a toasted rye bread, like coming out of the toaster. Mm. And then when you put it on your palate, you don't want to shoot it back. You just want to kind of put a little bit. And every glass is different with how it will hit your palate. This glass comes in and kind of it comes in straight and then kind of it goes out like that. Uh, right. yeah. So it'll be able to cover your entire tongue. And so like that for how it feels on your tongue would be like the mouth feel. Okay. Some of them will feel like butter and kind of like drip down. Some of them will like uh, sting a little bit, but kind of go away like a pepper would. So that'd be like spicy. So that's the first thing I do is I detect of how it feels in the mouth, and then I kind of uh, analyze the flavors. You'll feel the sweeter ones on the tip of your tongue, the savories like the cornbreads in the middle, and then the spices like the peppers and the cinnamons yeah. toward the back. You want to move it around. This is... This is an all-encompassing mouthfeel for me. It's uh, got a lot of spice toward the back, kind of a malty caramel like right there at the tip. But I love the way this feels in my palate. I've loved this whiskey from day one, from when I gave it uh, an 89 in Forbes. I loved it even more when I tasted it blind, did not know what it was in my annual American Whiskey of the Year. God, it's good. And, um, you know. Get yours now. It's quite quite yummy. Well, thank I, you. Uh, I really like caramel. Yeah? Caramel's my thing. Has been since I was a little kid. Um, I buy caramel, um, foo-foo caramel things that are toast, whatever. I'll just eat it out of the, the can. Oh, I love or it. Or the jar. Um, it's one of the things I'm really excited about once um, we have a plan for the business, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, once we excel in some of our plans and what we're doing i can't wait to sit down and see if i could invent a recipe um with you know cedar ridge and literally that that's my next thing is to like try and hold the stuff and watch it turn into something that turns into something and then taste it you know that's the next step for me and to try you know, I want to take all the expertise and everything, but I, you know, I want to, I want to go for, a, you know, a once in a lifetime thing. Like, who knew he could make a, a a barrel? You know what I mean? So, but with with the family, try and create something aggressive and different that's never never been done. But maybe a little bit more on the caramel side. Um, well, the the best way to get to that is just age. Yeah. You know? t- okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and there, you can definitely tell that these barrels are on the right track. Well, and I will tell you this too. You know, maybe this is. I'm not going to get into it, but you know, we're all interested. We're all interested in having some reserves that are, you know, many, many years. 
you know, that, but, you know, we've just started our family together. I mean, this is the first year. That's right. That's right. And they just, I, they told me. I this started going crazy. Yeah. I started, <laughs> I, I start, but you know what? It's good for me to be brought in and reeled down because I, I just listen and, uh, but yeah, it's the first year and, you know, we've all been, uh, you know, it'd be nice. I'm in this for the long haul. So, I, you know, 10 years from now, I want to, I want to be able to go. I want you to be sitting right here and go. We talked about this 10 years ago and today is the day and let yeah. you crack it and try a 10 year, uh, number nine, you know? So would, that, that's all yeah. stuff for the future. And, I like I like talking about the future. Sure in the heck beat to talking about coronavirus. <laughs> uh, we could talk all day on that, but I say let's not give anybody the ability to talk about it anymore. Yeah, cheers to that, my cheers friend. Cheers to that. Yeah, thanks for coming on the, the podcast, and uh, I'm looking forward to tasting some some barrel samples with you. Thank you all for tuning in. I know if you had listened to it before, I hope that you got uh, something out of it again. Uh, I think uh, Clown is a fantastic uh, person to interview, and like I said, I didn't fanboy out. I don't think I did anyway. But that's going to do it for this week, folks. Be safe out there and take care of one another. And if you get a chance, go read my father-in-law's obituary. Cheers. You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by 291 Colorado Whiskey, by Michter's, and by Heaven Hill Brands. For more information about Fred's books, articles, podcasts, and more, just go to fredminnick.com.